the failure of human judgment. And as usual, I'd like to greet my Macedonian friend, friends and families by saying, na svite makedonci, što se vključeni na ovoj živ prenos, ve pozdravam svite i dobre došle na naše to učenje na sveta to pismo. I, I want you all to know that I stand here in the presence of God and in your presence in fear, in trembling due to the fact that I have such respect for this pulpit right here. Jesus speaking in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 3 said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you use, it shall be measured unto you. And why do you look in the speck of your brother's eye, but do not consider the beam in your own eye? The New Testament is clear about uh, the damaging consequences of human judgment. In fact, Christians are commanded not to judge others. The reason for that is when such judgment must be made, they are to be made with an awareness that the one who passes judgment must also stand before God and be judged. This is exactly what Paul's point in verse 12 uh, of our lesson today in Romans. A recognition of our own need for God's mercy includes any, excludes, I meant to say, any attitudes or superiority, any blindness toward our own faults, and any hardness towards the fault of others. What is this saying? we would do well to remember our limitations. None of us is omnipotent, I mean omniscient. 
we don't know it all. We, we are not omnipotent, omnipresent, or omniscient. God is. We would do well to remember this. If I may use here the wise counsel that the pastor, uh, that pastor Willie gave me uh, recently, he said to me, you see, we see and hear what we see and hear, but we do not know what God knows. How many agree with that? Amen. I asked him, uh, I, I called him over, he came to the house regarding a situation, and this is how he helped me. So we, he, we, see what, uh, we see what we see and we hear what we hear, but we do not know what God knows. There was a perfect example of this kind of case when Jesus went to the house of the Pharisee named Simon. Before I expound on this passage of scripture, I'd like to say that the movie industry got it all wrong. When the woman came in the house with the intention of doing what she did, the Bible tells us that she went and stood behind Jesus. But Hollywood, you know, there's the woman in front of Jesus and his feet. Well, I like the Bible better than Hollywood. So the Bible says she came behind him and began to weep. And her tears fell on Jesus' feet and she wiped them with her hair. As I said earlier, we see what we see, but we don't know what God knows. This is what happened to Simon. He saw what he saw, but he didn't know what Jesus knew. Jesus not only knew the heart of the woman, he also knew the thoughts of Simon, a prophet who began to think of the Simon who began to think of himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known that the woman who is touching him is a sinner. And so Jesus goes to say to Simon, I came to your house and you didn't give me water for my feet. But this woman has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a brotherly kiss when I came in your house, but this woman has not stopped kiss kissing my feet since she came into this house. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has not, has anointed my feet with this ointment. With ointment. Truly I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. To whom much is given, Jesus said, loves much. To whom is little forgiven, the same loves little. Another good example is in the book of 1 Samuel. The Bible tells us of Hannah who had no children. This is Samuel's mother. So when uh, they went to the temple to worship, quote unquote, and sacrifice, I hope this is the reason we come to the house of God to worship and offer sacrifices according to the order of the New Testament, going sideways now, which is to worship God and offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. 
Hannah, the Bible tells us, was in bitterness of soul, and she prayed and the Lord, before the Lord and wept sore. While she wept before God to take her reproach away because she, didn't, she was barren, couldn't have any children, she did not speak with her lips audibly. Verse 13 of chapter 1 uh, reads, Now Hannah, she spake from her heart, and her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. She was in bitterness of soul, weeping before God with stammering lips. And the prophet Eli, who was observing all this from nearby, came to the conclusion that this woman is drunk. In other words, he saw what he saw, and he heard what he heard, but he didn't know what God knew. Praise God. Hannah prayed that the Lord would give her a son, and if he did, she said, I will give him back to you. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, when Samuel was 12 years old, she brought him to the temple where he ministered before the Lord for the rest of his life. We must not remain ignorant, but follow on to know the Lord. The knowledge we need must come from the precious Holy Ghost, whose primary purpose is to reveal Jesus Christ to us ever more fully. And we can only get this knowledge by presenting our bodies souls and, and spirit, body, soul, and spirit, a living sacrifice, and by the renewing of our mind. By this, we become imitators of Christ. Did you know that? Paul said, be ye imitators of Christ. Be, we become imitators, and we are transformed into his image and into his likeness. So much that the Apostle John tells us, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Praise God. Amen. This is questions. questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we have to go to the questions. <laughs> We are, we are uh, media time restraint, okay? <laughs> All right, let's go to the question. The apostles uh, were perceived to be ignorant, but they had been with Jesus, and they were transformed. Amen. I had to get that in there. Question number one, Romans 14 and 1, and accepting attitude from 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 4 to 12 and Romans passages how would you describe the one who is weak in faith anybody late That is true. That is true. 
Anybody else? Absolutely. Sister, please. Go ahead. Somebody give her the mic, please. I agree with that. Amen. The only way one is weak in faith is because of lack of knowledge of the Word of God. The more familiar we come with the Word of God and Christ's finished work on Calvary, the more we understand the freedom that we have in him because unlike the Old Testament, we have, the right, we have no rights or ritual to follow or do's and don'ts that we are commanded to observe except love God, love your neighbor, love one another. Amen. Yes, sir. It would do us well to remember how patient Jesus was with the apostles that he chose. He abraded them one time as I said. Yes, sir.
but he just began to berate and insult anybody who used Jesus saying if your pastor criticizes a message, it's his message. Now and and he and he says every pastor needs to be preaching out of the King James. That is just stupid. Because the King James was originally for fifteen eleven. Fifteen hundred years after Jesus Christ <laughs> left and ascended. So that comes from biblical ignorance and cultural ignorance. And so he'll have a whole bunch of people thinking if it didn't come from the King James, it's not accurate. Now the King James is very accurate, but before the King James was the Septuagint, there was Greek and Hebrew. So you can sometimes you can get a better understanding, but we'll allow our cultural ignorance because we've done Because you're not using Elizabethan English, and and so I, we have to be real careful how we how we make bold statements, especially across the board. Very true. Question number two, from First Corinthians fifteen two to four, what are the three indisputable, essential Elements of faith. Yes, sir. Christ died for our sins. He rose on the third day. Was buried. Yeah, buried, that. rose on the third day. Read. There you go. <laughs> According to the scriptures. Oh, there was uh, somebody asked, did he read the, read the scripture out? Yes. Oh. And by which... You are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in according to the scriptures. I believe uh, that will do on this question. How does Paul, question number three, how does Paul ask us to respond to those who are weak in the faith? Brother Dave alluded to that. Anybody else would like to respond? Good one, good one. Job is to go ahead. Uh, Brother Bob, uh, I think uh, we need to be reminded of the premise of the book of Romans to begin with. It was written uh, to a to the church in Rome mm -hmm. who was 
those uh, Jewish believers and there was Gentile believers. Mm-hmm. The Jews had been kicked out of Rome for five years, and when they came back, they found that the church had grown, that there were uh, these uh, Gentiles were thriving, and you know, and, and the Jews came back, and these Gentiles were eating pork and shellfish and and. Uh, Right, right. And they said these people need to be uh, accepted and uh, bite the tongue and let the Holy Spirit do the conversion. Yes, Brother Arnie. Praise God. Amen. We are to welcome them, but not to quarrel with them over opinions. Uh, Number four, what do you think welcoming a weaker believer entails? Please, uh, when you're ready to speak, just grab a mic. To accept their prayers with the then scripture together. Amen. The weaker believers. I like what I wrote here. We would do well to remember that we have been commissioned by Christ to be witnesses for him. As our church motto says, we endeavor to reach the lost, teach the found, change the world. Ours is not the job to clean them up. That responsibility belongs solely to God. Jesus said to the Pharisee, you go to an extent to get somebody converted to your way. And then they're 10 times worse when they're, than, than to begin with. Just give a humble, uh, Christ-like admonition to those that are weak in the faith. Amen? Yes, sir. Are you sure that you even know? 
Number five, what reaction does Paul prohibit? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, please. God, we we are to be, uh, this, uh, you, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Aren't we to be, you know, disciple makers? That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so, what does, what uh, what what reaction does Paul prohibit? That we are to be a blessing to the ones who are weak in the faith, and not be a stumbling block. When you are a stumbling block to some. A newborn Christian, it's to me. It it seems like you, it's similar to Jesus saying, "If you offend one of these little ones, it better it better for you to uh, mill, uh, uh, stone will hung around your neck, and you 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 be cast off the cliff into the sea." The the. Uh, awareness uh, that we should have the awareness by the Spirit of God uh, as far as newborn Christians and those that are weak in the faith we must not try to do anything except build them up in the faith anything else is not acceptable number six brother Yeah, yeah. Now the matter is disputable. There, there's a, a matter of dispute there that maybe a strong believer would have with what that a weak believer, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is, is saying. But it says without quarreling over those things. Right, right. Is the way to go about it. So that, you know, you can 
Spirit will 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 illuminate uh, you know the Word of God unto them so that they will be convicted. And uh, you know a lot of times uh, they do try to convict people; they just it hardens their heart. It's very important. Matter of fact, uh, it, it is a very, very primarily important because without the Holy Ghost to, to minister through us, uh, I don't think the person has uh, much chance of uh, coming to Christ because we, we, we don't have anything to offer except Christ. And, you know, be ye wise as serpent, gentle as doves, the Bible says. We are at question number six. What exhortation does Paul give to A, one whose opinion allows him to eat anything? Okay, I'll read B2. One, B, ones whose opinion prevent them from eating anything. So you have a person that, you know, his own opinion prevents him to eat anything. I did, you know, I'm sorry, but this is my family. I go, what good does it do you <laughs> to give up meat for Lent? <laughs> But this is what they believe. I go, that's fine. But, you know, I, uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, I want you to know that <laughs> I'm going to have meat during Lent. And, of course, they can't, they can't really back it up, you know. So, but they know that. Then they, they know that, but they, that's the way they choose. Go ahead, brother. Says, do not regard him with contempt. He has that. He doesn't believe in eating meat. We're not to regard him with contempt because we do. Vice versa. Says, mm -hmm. Do not regard that man with contempt. Right. Brother Bob. Yes, sir. Another way to look at that, you know, someone that uh, believes in eating anything can look at uh, people that don't and say, you're a legalist. Right. You're into legalism. And then Mm -hmm. You know, and so uh, the Bible says, you know, don't hold uh, those that uh, don't eat everything with contempt, and those that do eat everything, don't hold them, you know, in judgment. Have it, has anyone ever failed? Uh, I, I have failed in that area. <laughs> I've checked all the boxes on that one, so. <laughs> there was a man that didn't eat pork. He was uh, of Hindu, uh, into Hinduism. He didn't believe in, he was Pakistani. And I was slicing ham. And I, and he went uh, like this. I go, what? It's delicious. <laughs> but, 
Later on, I felt like, you know, I didn't have to do that. This is what I mean. We all failed in somehow, some way. And so uh, I apologize. I believe I apologized to him, you know, but this is this way we got to be careful. Amen? God, who, that God has accepted him or her, and if God has accepted them, who are we to judge them? The Apostle Paul exhorts by saying, let, let one who eats anything despise not the one who chooses to abstain from stuff. My buddy, Dwayne Winters, despises liver and fish. More liver than he despises. So he will not eat fish unless you put a gun to him. And he might say, go ahead, shoot me. But he, he just hates fish. There's nothing wrong with fish. There's nothing wrong with liver. But this is what he. Bob, yes, sir. I, I think for context and for those who are watching online, some of the, the older believers realize what this is. But the reason he's having to say this is because the meat markets are tied to idol worship. Mm. They go in and they, they sacrifice meat to different gods and to Zeus and Aphrodite and all these different people, then once that meat is cut, just like the Hebrews would cut the meat and then they give it to the priests, those people sell that meat on the open market. And now Christians are having a problem because they're saying that meat came off an idol of a demon. So I can't eat this meat. And Paul later makes it off, yes, you can. <laughs> you can eat this meat, but if it offends your brother and they don't realize that you can, don't eat the meat. And I think sometimes, especially in our hyper-grace culture, we've gotten to the point where we're throwing our freedom in people's faces. There and, you go. And, and becoming, go. becoming disrespectful. We, we have a church in the area. They like suits. They really don't, you know, they, that, that's them. They're, they're from their culture. That's their culture. So when I go to them, I wear a suit. Even the pastor says, well, you don't have to wear a suit. I said, yes, I do. Because I, I know there's somebody in here who's weak in faith that doesn't know anybody. Now, if you come over here, oh, that's all. We, this, you coming to visit us, but at the same time, you have to be careful of how you lodge your freedom. There are some people who do stuff just to, because they spiteful. You were hurt. You were told something was wrong when you were young. And what do you do? You try to do it in front of people to create contention. W watch me. I got this glass of wine, and I'm going to drink it, and I'm still going to heaven. But you stupid. I mean, that's, that's basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going to smoke this cigarette, and I'm still going to heaven. But you're going to get there a lot quicker. <laughs> you know, you can't flaunt your freedom in front of people like that because it has an adverse effect to it. Number seven says, on what does Paul base his argument for tolerance? Basically, both are accepted of God. Short to the point. Number eight, do you sense any expression of approval or disapproval by Paul? I mean, I just read it. Basically, both are accepted of God. Approval for those who choose to eat anything or abstain, but disapproval for those who are judgmental towards other, toward the other group. Thank you there, Mark. <laughs> 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 
Number nine, in light of your study thus far, how do you think the Lord wants you to respond to people with whom you disagree? This is a good one. Go ahead. Leith, you grab the mic, buddy. Do not judge. Do not judge or hold in contempt. This is what the lesson is all about. Anybody else? Yes, uh, give her the mic and please speak up. We love to hear what you have to say. That is a real, that is a real good. Let me say this. I won't name any names. I was at a dinner. The house that I was in was filthy. Okay? And yet I was uh, reproved by one of the family members by telling me, uh, don't, Bob, don't uh, dip the, uh, Knife, your knife in the butter to butter your bread. And, of course, being a Macedonian, he never considered that. We eat out of the same pot. All the family gathers. We didn't have the luxury of today. And so when that happened, Pastor, with your permission, I left the house with such a headache, it was like, mind grain level, okay? And then uh, from there, we ended up at a restaurant for dessert or something, I forget what it was, and I confronted this person. And I want you to know as God bears, uh, I, I, I speak the truth and God bears me witness. When I, when I told this person that I was hurt by what he said, and that I was, you know, Macedonian. This is how we, we know. This is something that he apologized to me. Guess what? My headache left me immediately. No sooner he did that, it's just like, whew. But you see where, you know, about being careful about offenses. We are not to pass judgment and decide never to put a stumbling block this is this is this is per, on you know purposely decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother and sister. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Um, I think this comes at a perfect time for us in America because what what season comes up next year? Election season. Election season. And how many people have we driven away from the faith? Whew. Over who they were going to vote for. I was joking with my daughter today. My daughter 
got a license in and they get, had a voter registration card. He's like, I don't want to be your example, but it's too late. Uh, <laughs> and, and I had the card and I jokingly said, well, I'll keep this till you tell me who you're going to vote for. I was joking. Uh, but at the same time, how many times I gave it to her? Don't, don't think. But uh, how many times have we done that? Somebody will say, let's, let's just be honest and real and raw. We, we're Christians. We don't believe in abortion. We believe in marriage between a man and a woman. We believe in the Bible. But somebody will say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Democrat, and we immediately begin to judge those people. Mm. We That's immediately true. begin to tell those people that they're not saved. But how many people will call themselves Christians and don't, don't even know what Christianity means? <laughs> there are a lot of people who ascribe to these parties and don't even know what they mean. And because we don't approach them with grace, the, the UN people with Bible says, let your words be seasoned with salt because we don't ever try to build a relationship with them. We just try to win the argument. Ah, the soul. Come on, come on. <laughs> Instead of learning the person, learning why they are, I don't care what you say. I know what I'm going to do. I don't give a one vote. I'm going to vote this way. I'm voting my conviction. I'm, I'm, and I'm voting my faith, and that's what I'm doing. But I have friends that I know who believe opposite of what I do. They're not close friends, but they're people with which I can converse, and they have differences opinions, I don't beat them over the head. I just live my faith out loud and let that do the speaking for you. Hopefully that'll help us before we become keyboard warriors in 2021. <laughs> Number 10, to whom is every believer accountable to? I'll give you a clue. Number 11. That was A. B, how does Paul use that fact to reason that it is inappropriate for us to judge believers? Did we understand the question? How does Paul use that fact to reason that it is inappropriate for us to judge believers? That's how the lesson begins, judge not, unless you be judged. Thank you, sister. We all stand before the judgment seat of God, every one of us. Who are we to pass judgment on a servant of another? It is before his master that he or she stands or falls, and he or she will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him or her stand. Uh, you know, I, I feel like quoting the preacher Solomon. Let us come to the conclusion of this whole matter. Judge not. That's not how it, that's not what he said, but this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here now. All right. Number uh, 11, uh, from verse 5, does Paul think it important to have an opinion regarding non-essential issues? How does he express that? Non-essential issues. Non-essential issues. Yes, brother, go ahead. Let each man he comfort in convinced in his own mind. 
Let everybody be convinced in their own mind. Everybody satisfied with that one? Yeah, just what it says to each one of us. Uh, to each one of us should be convinced in our own minds. Number 12, do you think the process of being fully convinced should include be practical? How do you make such decisions? That's a tough question. Maybe the pastor should take this one on. Or I could read what I wrote. Are you asking me? Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my bad, my bad. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were joking. But uh, it, it, some, so some things you know your conscience and some things uh, you have to give yourself. Praise God. God. Amen. That it was going to hold me up. So my action corresponded with my belief. Your actions always correspond with your belief. If you're fully convinced that the word of God is true, even if somebody comes to you and says, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go this way and I'm going to vote this way. That's fine. You do that. I'm not going to be mad at you, but you're not going to change who I am. I know what I believe and I'm fully convinced of those things. And I stand on it. Oh, praise God. Uh, where are we? Number 13? What should our reference point be in every decision we make and every action we take? Yes, bro. God's word. His people need to sit down and study his word. Sometimes if people ask us a question, we don't have the answer. You know, I think we're stupid, number one. But number two is we need to take the time to sit down and study what God has to say about everything. How about this? We as Christians endeavor to do everything as unto the Lord. How can you go wrong there? motivated by, uh, I wrote here, motivated by love. So if we do everything is unto the Lord, we'll be very, very careful. Very, you know, get a lot of thought process involved and then we do it with love. So we as Christians endeavor to do everything as unto the Lord. Do it as unto the Lord. Motivated by love. If love does not motivate you, it's kind. Of, it's kind of. Uh, I don't want to. You know, it's 
but I'll say it, it's kind of useless. How does the number, uh, that was A, B, how does that perspective compare with the prevailing attitude of our society? This is a good one. By the way, I have every question answered here for my answer, so. Yes, please, and like I said, we love to hear what you have to say, speak up. Amen. Paul expressed that. He says, the love of God constrains me to do all this. He loved God. And, the, and, and, and love was the motivating force of what Paul the apostle accomplished as far as being uh, the writer of so many of the uh, epistles and his missionary journeys. Bob, just a statement on what our sister said here. Uh, the prevailing attitude today in most circles are, is what? Self. What makes me feel good. Isn't that true? And it sometimes is I true, even cross it over into our Christian circle for some reason. What, what, what can God do to make me feel better? What can I get out of the Bible? Can I use Jesus as an ATM card? That kind of thing. That's not true. Goodness gracious me, shut that thing up. <laughs> we got a celebrity here. <laughs> it's my phone. I, for <laughs> I forgot to shut it off. <laughs> Number 14. In what, in what way do you think Christ's death and resurrection impact our relationship with other believers? Yes, La, late, please. He talked about us being on one with him and the Father. Praise God. Amen. Anybody else? We as Christians set our affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. We are dead to the world and our lives are hid in Christ, in God, with Christ in God. Number, how come I keep losing track? What number are we on? 15. What is Paul's concerning in verse 10? 
Can you bring up our verse 10 on the screen or not? Yeah. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, sir. As a pastor, I, I have to be, say this because our culture is kind of counterculture to that. That does not mean that Christians don't judge anything. Because what we take that to mean is go about your business and let people do whatever they want to do. And that's not what the Bible teaches. No. Uh, the Bible says, no, you're not that we shall judge angels. There's a righteous judgment. Yes. And there's an unrighteous judgment. There's an unrighteous judgment where we look down on somebody other than to pick them up and to, the Bible will call them rock or, say rock or fool. But there's a righteous judgment where we say this action is wrong and we don't tolerate this action. And so even in, within the church, there's church discipline and you can't deal with discipline unless you first judge the action. Um, so we have to be careful of that because there are cold words that are slipping into Christianity now. We call things hate that aren't really hate. Truth is not hate. <laughs> it's not hateful to say your lifestyle is wrong or you're living in sin. That's not hateful. That's the truth. And people don't change unless you tell them the truth. And so we have to be careful because Satan is slowly slipping stuff in to make Christians passive where we're scared to call wrong wrong. I, what is it? Isaiah says, uh, one to those who call good evil <laughs> and evil good. So when we're, look, when we're talking about judgment, it's saying, look at this person as if you're better. You're no better than anybody else. We're all sinners in need of the grace of God. But that doesn't mean you just get a pass with everything you want to do. Now, Paul says, for the people in the world, I, I can't tell you that for the people in the world. He says, for certain things, for Christians, I don't even want you to eat with certain people. In other words, judge their actions because they're wicked. But he says, not for those people in the world, because you have to leave the world for that. But in, the Christian, in Christianity, in our Christian family, biblically, there's a standard to hold to. And we have to be careful of that, because what we'll do is we'll just shut our brains off and we'll let everything go. And God's not wanting us to do that. Number, uh, all set, everybody satisfied? Number 16, why do we, in spite of our best intentions, quote sometimes slip into attitude towards others that displease God? I mean, this is the kind of thing that gets, you, that gets us in trouble because... You had the best intentions, but it was still wrong. The pastor and no, the pastor and I know of an incident that took place here. <laughs> I received correction gladly. <laughs> and I realized my intentions were were good. But not 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 in this not in this case. They did it didn't in other words, it didn't help any. Go ahead, sister.
got to find a loving way to say those hard things. But look says love, like you said, it's a love. Let your speech be no something about love. Let your speech some thank you. Let your speech always be with love and seasoned with salt. Make sure that's what it says, Pastor. Let your speech be always with love, seasoned with salt. I mean, we're talking about our Christian conduct, which is the words we speak. And the Bible says, it was, I believe, uh, it was James, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Just think, glory to God, just think about it if your speech was always with grace, seasoned with salt. I don't think you'll falter much unless you had the best intentions. Praise God. James said this, and uh, he also said that the, if I, in many things we offend many, but the same that does not, a person that does not offend in word is, we don't have a word perfect in Macedonia. We have the word complete. You are a pretty complete Christian. And be ye perfect, in my Macedonian, it says be ye complete, lacking nothing. And with God, we shall not lack. Or as the, or as the uh, psalmist said, uh, we uh, will not want. We will not lack. Okay, I lost my question again. Where are we there, brother? 17. <laughs> what final reminder does Paul offer to persuade us to avoid such attitudes? Yes. Each, uh, each one of us yes. should That's give it. account of himself. We must be aware that each and every one shall give an account to God for ourselves. When we stand in judgment, there's going to be nobody else beside you, behind you, in front of you, sideways. No, you're going to stand alone. And don't think that you're going to say, well, if it wasn't for so-and-so, or, well, the way this guy did. No, you're going to be alone before Christ to give account for yourself. Amen. Number 17? No, 18, huh? Which one? 18. Review Romans 1, uh, 8, 1, 3, 1 and 2, 33 and 34. What does these verses tell us? about what will happen at God's judgment seat. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of 
I mean, granted, we don't play, we don't sing the old songs, but I I love that song, the old song, Brother Denny, Sister Pat would know, and Sister <laughs> Warp and Sister Stella. What sins are you talking about? Glory to God! I I miss the old songs, but I enjoy the present ones as well. Uh, number uh, these those are the three. There is therefore not condemnation. That was A. B, if we are not condemned, why does God expect us to give an account? Are we, have to, are we to have no responsibility whatsoever as Christians? God forbid. We will be accountable. The Bible says for every word spoken and every deed done. Amen? I mean, am I telling the truth, Pastor? I can't believe this. We might get through these questions, even though the time is over, and yet, and yet you are willing to stay here. <laughs> All right. Uh, if we are not condemned, why does God expect us to give an account? Well, we, we, can I read this, Pastor? For, uh, you know, for other foundations can no man lay that which is already laid, which is Christ. How, now, if any man built upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man shall be, uh, man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. That is why the admonition of Christ to John the Revelator says, I beg you, come to me and buy gold, which is tried by fire. And uh, clothing that you make the righteousness of God to clothe yourself so your nakedness does not appear. And Anointing, so you can anoint your eyes, so you can see. What is that? I'll connect that with uh, our theme, so you can see what is that perfect and acceptable will of God. All right, uh, 19, last question. What enable us to stand before God and be judged, but not condemned? Yes. Pastor, can she teach in my stead sometime? 
She's got such good things to say. By the way, it wasn't I beg you, uh, the scripture that I just quoted. It was I counsel you to buy gold from me, which is tried by fire, which is the word of God. And raiment that you may be clothed so your nakedness appear. And I shall that you anoint your eyes and be able to see. Okay, uh, I just read 19, did I? Uh, what uh, enables us to stand before God and be judged but not condemned? Find a scripture or uh, in earlier Romans to support this answer. Romans 8, 1 through 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. May God add his blessing. Thank you. You you guys have been wonderful, Pastor. Give Brother Bob a hand. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Haley, the Holy Ghost had you say that because that was my last statement I had for you guys. Everybody repeat after me. The heart of the matter. The heart of the matter. Is the heart. Is the heart. That, that's the whole thing on judgment and all these actions and things. It's the intent of your heart. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 22, but I tell you, anyone that is angry with his brother or it will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable uh, to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And that, that term fool was condemnation. It was basically saying, like we'd say, go to you nowhere. You were condemning people to, to that place. And he says, and then he gives a solution. He says, therefore, if you offer an offering at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come after your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary in court. Do it while you're still, while he is still on his way. What Jesus is trying, trying to say, and this is the thing that we should learn as believers, we have to have objective right and wrong. We have to have a standard, and sometimes we don't meet that standard, but God gives us grace to love one another, that we're all imperfect. So the Bible says if a brother's overtaken in a fault, it doesn't say ignore that fault or pretend it doesn't happen. It says ye which are spiritual, restore that person. Amen. It's not about judging the whether or not the person, what they did was right or wrong. It's the heart of the matter, and there's your mind there and your heart there to see the best for that person. Everybody we look at, if they do something, we should want the best for them. Right. I have some people that I know that live lifestyles contrary to the Bible, but when I look at them, I see the love of Jesus. And I feel contact with them, some uh, some in evangelistic purpose, although I vehemently disagree with their lifestyle. Why? Because I'm looking at their soul. Now, I'm not going to hang out with you and do what you do. And, and my kids will tell you, I am, at home, I'm very opinionated. They, they don't have to worry about what I believe. They know why. Because when they get out of my house, I don't want them to have any doubt on where to stand. But when I'm out here, oftentimes I'm a little quieter and I have a little bit more grace. Why? Because although it's my job to raise them with convictions and tell them what's right and what's wrong, I know nobody under the sun is perfect, myself included. And so it's important for us to have love and have grace and to have compassion for people and learn God. that when you're correcting people or when you have a difference of opinion. Sometimes I saw this post, and I'm, I'm fixing to leave. This guy put it up, and it said, a wise man once said nothing. 
I let that sink in. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, we don't have to comment on everything. Uh, and, uh, the opposite of that, yeah. a fool is not known for as much speaking. <laughs> That's it. Sometimes it's, it's better just to be quiet and let your actions and your love speak for you. And That's in Proverbs, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I it, yeah it's not is. an adage. Yeah, that, that is in Proverbs. So let that be it. Let, let that be our takeaway. Operate in love. Keep your convictions. Don't stop what you believe, but operate in love and have grace for people. Um, have space for them. Um, let's pray. I'm Praise God. Go. God, I thank you for the Bible Praise study that we've God. tonight. It's been rich, and thank you for the enrichment and that we've gotten from the engagement from all the people online and also the people uh, in the audience, and we, we thank you for that. And we ask that you help us to continue to grow in grace. And, Lord, for those that have to go to work in the morning, I ask for an special uh, output of energy for them. Help them to be feel alert and refreshed. Bless them for taking the time to come out here tonight. Uh, and, and bless them, and I pray that what's said will give them grace and love in their heart. Help us, Jesus, that we as imperfect people can love people the right way and, and have opinions, but don't allow those opinions to over, override our love. Uh, and to override out the way we treat and act towards people. And we'll give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.